Hey, welcome to the Jesus Magnet Podcast. Thanks for coming in for another episode. And today we have a fantastic testimony with a dear friend of ours, uh, Dean Payne. How are you doing, Dean? So good, Joel and George. So good to be with you here on the hey. Jesus Magnet. Yeah. It's got an amazing reputation out there and I love <laughs> listening in. So to be sitting here with you guys uh, recording and, and uh, participating is a real privilege. Thank you. Oh, it's such an honor to have you on because, um, Dean... Uh, years ago now, you were uh, living in Queenstown um, mm-hmm. with us, and, and you passed it at City Impact, so we know you quite well from that, and um, now you're a businessman in Auckland, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it's just so cool, I mean, um, to to just be able to you know get a little bit raw with you and, and, and how God's touched your life, because sometimes as a, as a pastor, you don't get to share your testimony a lot. A lot of people are sharing their testimony to you. Mm-hmm. Not that you're a pastor, pastoring now, but um, I think it's cool to sit on the other side and hear from you, uh, sort of like how God's fully changed you. Yeah, yeah. And I think you know, having uh, been in a pastoral role and and now not not in that role from an official title point of view, mm. um, is to you know kind of be at that point where we're all human. You know, we're all yeah. we're just. You know, my pastor actually, you know, says we all bleed red, and I love that. You know, we're all 100%. the same, and uh, we all have our ups and downs and struggles and and uh, twists and turns in life's mm-hmm. journey. Nothing's perfect, and so you know, to to sort of sit down here, I think, job with you as well as you know, previously being your pastor, but now to say, you know what, I'm I'm just just like you, mate. <laughs> and uh, you know, we we all have our things that we've got to work through in life and 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 pursuit in this journey of following Jesus. Mm. So so um, let's get raw. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Fun. Yeah. Yes, yes, awesome. Um, yeah. So, Pastor Dean, would you? Uh, sorry, not Pastor Dean. <laughs> Dean, um, would you like to just start with uh, right at the beginning? Is the best place to start. And yeah. uh, just let us know sort of how God met you. Yeah, yeah. cool. Well, um, yeah, I, I, I guess if I can um, pretense the uh, the show or, or my message today around my testimony a little bit around just how much, you know, God is there for us in moments that you, you kind of wouldn't expect it. Mm. And um, I'm going to share a little bit about a testimony around, um, you know, how God really... Uh, if we use that, that big famous word pivot, you know, it was a real pivot time in my life with, mm. with God and Jesus was through a, a season when my brother actually passed away. Um, I was 15 years old at the mm. time and he was 18. But what really, really shows up or showed up for me during that whole season of my life was, you know, whether you're on fire for God or you're feeling like a flat pancake, you know, mm. whether you've made mm. a great decision in, in your Christian walk or you've made an absolute flop of a decision, God is there. Mm. And um, I think it's so easy in our religiosity to kind of get into that sort of space where you um, you feel as though, you know, you're always trying to prove yourself or make the mark and, you know, what did I do right, what did I do wrong? And I just, I'm convinced that God doesn't work like that. Mm. You know, I'm convinced that God is just like a loving dad mm. and a loving father that, you know, loves his kids no matter what. Doesn't actually like what they do or, or doesn't actually agree with all that they do, mm. but it does not change the fact that he is always there. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Amen, yeah. Every situation and every season in life, it's reassuring to know that, you know, God's in the midst of that. Mm. Whether we've been exceptionally good or exceptionally bad, 
God is able to be in all of those situations. Yeah. I just love that. Yeah. 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 I hear that, uh, the Bible talks about how he clothes the, the flowers and, and the birds and, and all that. And, you know, how much more does he care for us? Um, you know, his children. And, That's yeah. right. Yeah. That very verse, it specifically says, how much more as a father would mm. he not, you know, do more for you? Yeah. Mm. And, uh, yeah. you know, when we kind of get that concept that we are adopted mm. into, by the Spirit, we are adopted into the kingdom, into the family of, of God, you know, and, and we become his sons, we become his daughters, mm. uh, and, and he loves us through and through, mm. you know, yeah. mm. it's pretty cool. So powerful. Got an amazing story um, that results uh, that actually from Queenstown when I was pastoring here. Oh, very cool. And uh, it kind of really kind of sets the tone. I was uh, not long pastoring down here, uh, and um, I got a phone call as I was sitting in my, my pastoral office, you know, in my nice warm office, <laughs> nice probably, probably leather chair, I guess, but, you know, in the comforts of a nice little church office. And I get this phone call, and it was from the local um, Frankton pub, uh, and they have a, they have some motel units out the back, oh. and uh, they said, "Oh, is this the local pastor?" And I said, "Yes." And they said, "Look, you know, we've actually had an unfortunate situation. We've just found uh, that someone committed suicide in one of our units." Oh wow! Um, and you know, we've got a couple of Maori ladies down here that would love a local pastor to come and bless the unit. And uh, and uh, would you be willing to do that? And I'm, you know, I think I said yes, but I think I also asked them, you know. How long ago did this happen? You know, when did you find the body? It was 10 days. Wow. And I'm like, oh. And, you know, in our humanness, you know, I've got to be honest, it's like, oh, really, God? You know, I said yes in confidence on the phone, probably hung up the phone and then went, oh, really, God? Do I have to go there and do that? Yeah. I thought, man, that's going to be really awkward and weird walking into this little motel unit where, you know, this happened and the person's been basically, let's be raw, hanging there for 10 days. Yeah, um, and I've got to walk in and 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 be this confident pastor and mm. bless the place. I don't know if you remember. Hopefully, he'll listen to this. I'll flick it onto him. You remember uh, the intern Laser, the Brazilian? Yeah, uh, Laser and yeah. Lisa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Laser was an intern at the church, and he was probably you know somewhere cleaning or doing some little some task around the church. And uh, so I thought, man, really, and I was feeling like, gosh, I don't want to go there alone, kind of thing. And anyway, so I get out of my office. I'm like, hey, Laser, hop on the car. Goes, Where are we going? Don't worry, mate. You'll find out when we get there. <laughs> anyway, we get down there. And, um, you know, and, and you know in Christ that we've got, you know, we've got the tool belt to do the right things. And so it was a matter yeah. of obviously speaking the blood of Jesus over us, a hedge of protection around us, and and knowing that we would then walk in and be able to go through and, and lay hands on the doorposts and the walls as we went in and just, mm. you know, bless the mm. place. Yeah. So we, uh, we, we gathered around with these two Māori ladies and we prayed. We walked in and we, and we, we you know, blessed the places we walked through. Uh, and we got it wasn't very big, but walked into the into the you know past the wardrobe where he'd hung himself, walked into this little living room, you know where the bed was, um, and there's two Maori ladies started to sing Amazing Grace, wow. and the presence of God filled that room like I have never, ever, ever felt had before or ever since. Wow, and I you know it just brings tears to my eyes remembering how powerful. The Spirit of God was. And I walked out of that place that day thinking, you know, God, that was one of the last places that I wanted to go mm. and mm. that I thought that you would be. 
but yet yeah. in that place of that depth of hell, mm. yeah, in that darkest place of of death and 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 and, and horridness, whatever it had taken place, mm. man, God, you were right there, yeah, and it just rang through to me, you know that that you know God is there's a really I think we all um, will recognise this. Um, beautiful, beautiful scripture. Um, it says, um, let me just find it here. Yeah, while you're finding that, I'll just share, like, it's it's honestly in those those darkest places where, where the light finds itself. Um, when we're in our darkest place as well, um, there's a, and C.S. Lewis wrote this book um, called The Screw, Screw Tape Letters. Yeah. And it's from the perspective of a demon. And um, one of the things that he says is that um, the demons want, they want us to suffer and to get broken down, but not to, the, not to rock bottom, because at rock bottom is when we fall to our knees and we cry out to Christ. Wow. They want to lead us a little bit higher than rock bottom Sheesh. constantly, and it's often at that last, that lowest point where Christ is made strong, where the, the scripture says, when you're weak, I'm made strong. Yeah. And yeah. Mm. Very, very cool. That is awesome. And what a cool thought that is. Mm. And and you can see why the enemy would just love to keep you just, just off your knees, eh? Yep. Yeah. 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 Yep. That actually was the first book I think I read when I first got saved, Screw yeah? Letters. Yeah. 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 Very, very um, eye-opening book to the spirit realm. Yeah. Mm. Bit crazy, but yeah. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> yeah. Here's a scripture, uh, uh, Psalm 139. Uh, and it says, you have hedged me behind and before. You laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's so high, I can't attain it. So, so true, isn't it? Eh? You, wow. you start to begin to mm. comprehend you know, God's love and commitment to you is, is really hard to really comprehend. Yeah. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into the heaven, you are there. Wow. If I make my bed in hell... Behold, you are there. Wow. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand will hold me. You know, Far out. And, um, awesome. You need to think about the fact that, you know, not only that little motel room was hell, but it was a dark mm. place and something dark had happened there. And in my humanity, just everything about me didn't, I thought, mate, maybe someone else should do this, you know, kind mm. of thing. Yeah. But yet, Unbeknown to me, I was about to encounter God. Mm. And mm. I just want to really share that as a thought to the listeners today that, you know, maybe you're in a dark place. Maybe you are somewhere where you don't really want to be, or you find yourself somewhere you don't want to be. Mm. You know what? Look up. Look up to where your help comes from because mm. my yeah. bet is that God's right there. Yeah, absolutely. God is right there. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, there's a saying that we say on the podcast a few times. Um, we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. Yeah. And uh, it's very, very good to keep that right at the center of your heart always because no matter how dark things get, you're always like, you know, God's got it. 100%. How, how do people do life without God? I don't know. How, I don't know, man. Really? You know... Life throws a lot of tricky curveballs at us, mm, you know, yeah. and you haven't got faith and you haven't got God as, as, a, as a leader, yeah. Yeah. you know. Um, 
another thought is just how much God is a good shepherd, you know. Mm. Um, you know, the Lord is our shepherd, I shall not want. Mm. Well, what is a shepherd? A shepherd is someone that is consistently there for you, right? Mm. That guides you, leads you. You start to go off track, get this little, you know, crook out and pulls you yep. back in. And, mm. you know, and that scripture actually when it in Psalm, uh, sorry, if you look at other scriptures and you research around, um, study around shepherds, is, or the other scripture says that he will leave the 99 to go for the one. Yeah. And the, this is the point. It says he is more happier about finding the one that went wayward mm. yeah. than the 99 that stayed there. Yeah. Just, I don't know about you, that cooks my brain. Yeah. Because my thought is, man, <laughs> God's probably more upset with me because I'm the one that wandered off and did something silly or yep. didn't quite get it right or yep. didn't live up to expectation or standard. But no, he says he's actually mm. happier yeah. that we got we were the guy that fell on our knees and 100%. cried out and went, God got this wrong. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, and yeah. he comes running back like a loving father, embraces you and says, Come on, son. So good. That um uh the whole scripture about the ninety nine, I believe it's in Luke it's around chapter seventeen, yeah. um, give or take a chapter. Mm-hmm. And um it's got a couple of parables in a row. And it it starts with the uh, when God leaves that when the Lord will leave the ninety nine and and search for the one, and He will leave the ninety nine. Calls them righteous, the righteous ninety nine to leave for the for the one that's lost, and then it follows on to the prodigal son straight after that, which is um, a son going off getting lost, yep. and then coming back to his father. But then it's the righteous son that's a little bit annoyed that he's getting celebrated for coming back. Yeah. And um, the very last uh, verse in that chapter says, uh, Son, be glad, for your brother has come home. He was dead and now is alive. Mm. And it's just really powerful that that's God's heart behind all of us is we think that the whole gospel is not necessarily God making bad people good, it's God making good uh, uh, dead people alive. Wow. And it's, yeah, a huge twist on God's heart for us. It's not, like, the morality thing, we always think we've got to be good, we've got to be good, we've got to be good. And God's saying, I've just got to make you alive because yeah. you're dead mm-hmm. right now. And and that's that's the grace of, that's what Jesus did, you know, like, there's nothing that you can do moral-wise to get into heaven, good-wise. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to make you from a, from somebody who's dead that's, that is condemned to death. Yep. And I'm going to resurrect you in life, and I'm going to make you from dead to life. It's just an incredible thing. Yeah. I don't know why I went on that tangent. No, no, that's awesome. <laughs> there's an amazing scripture um, that kind of... I was um, sharing with you guys a little bit before that really if it wasn't for the fact that I came to that um, realization in my life that God is a loving father that you mm. know I, I don't know I don't know where I would be today mm. it was re- it's really that concept and that thought that you know God um, really loves you whenever anything gets you know so complicated in life or too tricky or even mm. you can't understand the scriptures or whatever it is Sometimes I just have to go, well, God, I don't understand that, but what I do understand is that you're a loving dad. Mm. Now, I didn't necessarily have I, – I I, I, I've got a loving dad, 
but he doesn't hasn't necessarily been the great, greatest role model to me. I can't really look to my father as a godly example of a dad. So it wasn't necessarily role model to me. Mm. Now I've seen glimpses of that and I've experienced that. Obviously, that's where I think the church comes in, the church family. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you yeah. get to you know get to hang around other good role models, male and female, who show you what the parental heart of Christianity and, and therefore mm. God is all about. Yeah. And so I've gleaned off that and I've got to see it and I guess got, a, got an example for it. But the, probably the biggest sort of understanding of a dad came when I became a dad mm. because no one no one gave me a book and said, here's how to be a good dad, mm. um, here's how you raise your children. There was an innate thing within me to love my children mm. no matter what and kind of coming to that concept that um, – when I think about ourselves, that man, I, can't, I don't understand these things. These things are going wrong, or don't, you know, this is. But I think, but God, you love me, yeah. and God, I love you, and I haven't got all this worked out. But as a loving father, I know that you'll embrace me and carry mm. me through this right now. It changes everything. Mm-hmm. And there was a scripture that that really was the key thing for me. Um, it says uh, in Romans four, uh, it talks about Abraham. And it kind of, kind of captures that whole thing of works and us trying to attain something. It says, verse 1, when, What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, mm. he has something to boast about, but not before God. <laughs> what, for what does the scripture say? Abraham, this is verse 3, Abraham believed God, mm. and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Yep. What you're talking about, my man. Yep. And now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. Abraham believed, and it was accredited as righteousness. Yep. We don't have to do nothing more that we can do, like you were saying, How'd to you? make God love us any more, mm. any better. Yep. He, we come alive. From death to life, from the moment that we believe, yeah, it's that spark of faith that takes us from being dead in our sin, yeah, to being alive in our righteousness in our relationship with God. Absolutely! Wow! Wow! Mm. It's incredible, and mm. it's and sometimes we don't feel like we are connecting to God and things like that. But that's why the story of the prodigal son is he never stopped being a son just because he went off the rails. He was always a son, and, yeah. and there was always the father. And he even tried to treat himself as a as one of the father's servants to try and work his way back into the father's house wow. through works. Wow. And the father ran out to him in the field as soon as he saw him coming, and he was prepared to like beg and plea and say, "Can I just be one of the servants? You know, that's 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 all I'm worth." So he came in true humility. The father ran out to the son in the field, clothed him, put a ring on his finger, put sandals on his feet, and said, you know, you are my son. Like, And he didn't do anything to deserve that. In fact, he did, according to what he was doing, he definitely didn't deserve it, you know, but it didn't it didn't stop the fact that he's the son. And he, he can't ever swap himself out for a servant because we become adopted into the kingdom of heaven. That's it. We go from dead to... To being alive, and the scripture ends with that verse saying, "Your your brother was dead, and now he's alive." Exactly what you're saying. Isn't it interesting though that uh, the son, the prodigal son, in his default humanity, fell into the idea of having to work his way back, mm. just like we do. Mm. 
and how yeah. silly is it how daft is that yeah you know like we just in our humanity we think that's the only way back but no it's yeah. a lot easier everybody you know believe cry out to god get on your knees yeah. show some faith and ignite that that, mm. that life back in you again and and yeah. god comes in like a flood just like he did in that room that day that's so true you know? Do you want to hear a little bit about my uh, my journey with my brother? Would love to. Yeah, yeah, yeah that'd be awesome. Absolutely. Pretty, pretty cool. Um, there's a couple of key things, and I want to start off by saying that we actually were brought up um, uh, believing or going to church as Catholics. Oh, wow. And, um, and uh, that was all cool. I was an altar boy in the, in the Catholic church, uh, and then a few years later, my mum started to work for some Pentecostal Christians. Um, now, they actually went along to a church that... Um, was quite legalistic, so anyway, that, we didn't really know that at the time. So we uh, we went along there, um, and what even the, whilst they had their their, uh, their issues, if you want to put it that way, as a church, as I guess everyone has, um, one thing they were very very good. They were, they were really super strong on salvation, and they were super strong on um, receiving the power of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, and so um, that was interesting, right? So uh, we. Went on a few a uh, few months later, probably within that sort of period of time, my parents got divorced. Um, and funny enough, my brother, so my brother, uh, his name's Charlie and um, Dean, and my name's Dean. So he was, I was 15. Oh, sorry, he was three years older than me. Now, so at, at about 10 years old, our parents split up and divorced. And, uh, of course, we were sort of seeing our dad every sort of other weekend. And then my mum and her new partner decided to move to Australia. For some reason, during that time of our life, my brother and I were just had the ultimate level of sibling rivalry. We, we, I could say, we hated each other's guts. You know that you probably don't really understand what that means at that age, but you think you do. And and um, we just didn't like each other and didn't want to hang around each other so much so that we moved to Australia and we were there for about three months. And he moved back to New Zealand to live with my dad, pretty much to be away from me. Wow, that's that's how kind of extent it was. I'd come over to see my dad on holiday, and he would go and stay at a mate's house. This happened for nine months. Funny, it's only a short time, really, in the mm-hmm. biggest scheme of life. But mm-hmm. after the funny thing was, is that after nine months, uh, he he came back to live with us in Australia, and it was like we'd missed each other the whole time. God had just restored that moment. Now the the point of saying that is that from the moment he came back to live with us uh, to the moment that he had his car crash and, and ultimately passed away, we had three years with each other. Three years of, let me tell you, him being the my best friend. Oh, wow. wow. Like, it's like God gave us this three-year season of, mm. I was a 15-year-old, he, he was 18. Yeah. When he passed, but I guess to go back three years, I was twelve and he was fifteen. Who wants to hang out with their twelve year old brother, you know? Yeah. yeah. When you when you're fifteen and, and, and sorry, when I'm fifteen, he's eighteen, who wants to hang out with their fifteen year old brother? Mm. He would take me everywhere. Wow. Like a few places we probably shouldn't have gone and, and had a bit of fun. But but he took me everywhere. <laughs> like he was just I was just this little bro and he I was going along for the ride and and God really gave me that season. Mm. So fast track um, from when he moved back a couple of years, he became a boat building apprentice. And um, he was, uh, we were living in the Gold Coast in uh, Australia, and he would ride about 45 minutes to an hour, 60 minutes to work in the morning at like 4.30 in the morning to start work early. One particular morning, he was riding on his bicycle to work, 
and a guy in front of him got knocked, literally cleaned out by a car, like smacked Whoa. over. He jumped off his bike. Sorry, I need to make a point here. At this point, my brother's not living with the Lord. Okay. He'd given his heart to the Lord, but walked away, and he's now kind of living a bit of a worldly kind of lifestyle. Yeah. He jumped off his bike, and he ran over to the guy that's been hit by the car lying on the road, and the very first thing that came out of his mouth was to speak tongues over him. Wow. He just he, His first reaction was to, sorry, lay hands, and then he began to speak in tongues. Wow. Now, as much as what, you know, that was hopefully helping the guy on the ground, mm. he came back that night, and he's sharing to us and going, because we're all sort of, you know, had faith that you know in walking our walk, but he, Mum, Dad, guess what happened? This you know, I ran over, but the first thing that came out of my mouth was tongues. It's been on the Holy Spirit. He goes, I've still got it. I've still got it. Wow. He was so oh blown gosh. away that even though he had been away from the Lord, that the very first mm. thing in the time of trouble was the power of the Spirit arose. Mm. Yeah. Key, just just like mm. this is the story building, guys. So mm. then fast track, probably only about another year. He was uh, up in Brisbane, Australia, where he was doing um, the tech side, the university, what do you call it, like a, you know, the tech side of what they do, right? They do the practical down Oh, like the design. Des- oh, yeah, the theory. Theory, yeah. yeah. And the nice. exams and all that. Yeah. And so he was um, he was up there and he was staying with um, a Christian family. Um, however, there was a, one of their sons was very, very hyperactive and had a few behavior issues in it used to sort of annoy him, although he was only there, so he'd sort of come back in the weekends. Anyway, so he's driving home one Friday night, and whilst he's, he was on his motorbike, and whilst he's driving home, uh, a car comes around the wrong side of the road on his side and basically should have cleaned him out. Mm. So he comes through the door when he gets home to us, heart pumping, throbbing, going, guys, I don't know how I'm alive. Oh. I should be dead. That was, you know, we, we, I guess, had that faith and that openness as a family to talk about anything and everything, actually. But, you know, death wasn't really a, a sting to us from that point of view. And so we began to just have this amazing kind of conversation um, of what would happen if one of us was to pass away or die or how would that work. And, um, and you know, we prayed with each other. Um, and it was just incredible how God kind of opened up. Now, if you realize what's about to happen when he had his proper car accident, God had prepared a few days later for us to have this beautiful conversation around life and death and heaven and all these things. Mm. On the Sunday night, he was due to drive back to Brisbane to start his theory for the week. And he, funny enough, he says, oh, I really can't be bothered going back. (laughs) That kid really annoys me. He says, I'll um, I'll stay. And and, and so I went off to school that day and my mum and him, sat down at the kitchen table and had the most beautiful mother Sunday. They just sat down, the mother to a son and a son to a mother, and chatted all day, all day. Wow. wow. And he came back that, that night. He had to drive off, so he had his motorbike packed up. And normally he's like, see you later, bro, see you next week. Mm. No big deal. And because, I guess, because of what had happened, we all went out and mm. we laid hands on him. And we prayed for him while he rode on his motorbike and we prayed over him. And then he rode off and our street was about, you know, up, we were at the bottom of the street. It was about three or 400 metres up. He literally rode off into the sunset. It was just one of those beautiful, one of my last memories of seeing my brother well was driving, literally disappearing into a sunset like the movies. But it was just wow. one of those beautiful moments that I'll never forget. That was uh, 
That was Monday night. Wednesday was a public holiday over there. And so a bunch of him and his mates went out um, sailing on, on obviously, boaties. And um, they had all been drinking by him. And that was a proven fact with the car accident. They obviously do the, the um, breath mm. test and all that kind of stuff, blood tests. But um, so they get to the end of the day and um, they had four, four people in total. And the, the guy says, oh, you know, my brother says, I'll drive, you know. So they had four people in the car. They dropped off two guys out of the back of the car seat, out of the back of the car. And as they left that guy's place, the owner of the car who had been drinking said, hey, I'll, I'll drive from here. And and for whatever reason, we know that that was a favourite stretch of road that he would take. It was quite a twisty, winding, kind of mountainous-type road. Obviously, he loved to. It was a Toyota sleek, sleeker sort of boy racer car. And um, my brother, at that point, made... A dumb decision, you know. There's no, there's no, no trying to pretty that up. That was a, you know, human frailty. He made a, he made a silly decision, and he gave the keys back to the guy, or jumped out of the car and got in the passenger seat, and the guy took off. And they didn't get far up that mountainous road before they literally went off what would look almost like a cliff, and the the car tipped on its side, and the roof literally folded itself around a tree trunk, um, and the. Um, the uh, driver died instantly, and then um, obviously ambulances came, everything, and they took my brother to hospital. He died on the way to hospital. They revived him. This is now about 3 o'clock in the morning where we get that knock, knock, knock on the front door. Mm. And I remember, it's funny how, you know, you sometimes even wake, wake up to that, but I did, probably what did, certainly woke me up, mm. but I remember the knock is my mum sitting up in her bed just hearing the knock and screamed out, Charlie! She knew as a mother something was wow. wrong. Just, just like the movies, it was just a, one of those instinct things. It was quite a horrific time. Ran down, there's two police officers at the door, and they said, you know, you need to pack your bags and get to the hospital. Your son's been involved in a serious car accident. So we truck on up there, and um, and he was in a um, ICU, you know, critical care unit. And uh, I guess they're all pretty similar, but in this particular one, there's probably around about eight to ten beds each bed had a nurse stationed at the end of the bed, each bed. So every patient had their own dedicated head nurse, and they'd have about six nurses that would roam, depending on, you know, the critical, you know, an alert or an alarm that would go off. When we got there, he was in a coma. And so they said to us, look, you know, the idea is obviously to draw him out of the coma, Um yeah, I'll just go give him more background. He had two life support machines on him, um, and what they had realised, he had uh, two holes in one lung from the punctured ribs and five holes in the other one. So he literally had two life machines kind of pressurising the lungs differently. And he had tubes and wires and everything coming out of him from every, you know, his, everywhere. And he was hooked up to these big machines. They said, oh, he's in a coma. So the idea is to try and draw him out of the coma. So the best thing you can do is in a situation like this, the hearing never goes. So speak to him. Um, share, you know, put his mm. favourite music in his ears. Um, share stories, whatever it is. Just, just be here, but just you know, stimulate that thing. So, guys, we did all that, absolutely all that, and nothing would happen. However, of course, being Christians, and in a moment like that, what's one other thing we we did a lot of praying, mm. and we'd stand around him, obviously laying hands on him, and we'd begin to pray. And you know what that would do? It would shoot up his heartbeat. 
Wow. And, oh, wow. and the machines would detect as, as, a, as, a, as a quick change, as a, as a mm. uh, change, mm. the alarms would go off on the machines, do, 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 do. Something's, something's shifted, something's changed. The six nurses would then, part of their role would be then to gather around the bed and wait for the charge nurse to say, right, what are we doing? Because something, you know, the alarms have gone yep. off. It got to the point where the nurses would come over and they go, it's okay, they're just praying for him again. Wow. Every oh time we prayed for him, those alarms would go off. Yeah. Every time we played him his favorite music or just took nothing. But every time we prayed. Mm. Isn't that powerful? Mm. That's so powerful. <laughs> wow. And what a witness to all the nurses as well to see that there's real power in prayer. Like it's it, it physically changes. You yep. know, alarm bells go off in the yep. machines. A real physical change. Wow. Yeah. And for them to go, oh, yeah, they're just praying again. Mm. You know, and uh, they were ready to kind of, you know, take tubes out, put new tubes in or do whatever was required. Mm. But actually, you know, it was just that. So yeah, pretty pretty amazing. Yeah. Wow. How um how long was he in a coma for? Um, he was in a coma for a month, and um, it was uh, quite a horrific time. I guess it also gives you time to kind of process what's going on. Mm. And it was about two or three weeks before they could actually move him and scan his uh, head to see what sort of head damage there was. And they uh, reported back there was seventy five percent brain damage wow. from the car accident. Mm. So at that point, you know, if you're honest, you you are praying, you know, God, your will be done, you know. And mm, the, the, yeah. We've had, I, re, I remember people coming to the hospital, no, you're just going to pray in faith that God's going to raise him from, you know, he's going to yeah. be alive. Mm. Yeah. And then and you're naturally like, yeah, but do we, I don't want a brother alive that's, you know, mm. 50 or 60% brain. Not that we didn't have the faith for it, but, you know, you at that point there, you really got to trust that, you know, God will do what's, what's, what needs to happen, you know. Yeah. Mm. Um, you asked me how long he um, was in a coma for. About the three-week mark, they said, look, guys, you've got to go home and just get refreshed. This could go on for months. And um, and my dad was living in New Zealand. He'd been over a couple of weeks. He'd gone back. So um, the first weekend, as a, uh, I, I went back. So then the third week, weekend, I went back for a few days on a bus, I think it was, and, and refreshed. I'm only 15 years old, bus back to the hospital. Uh, and then my parents went home the following weekend. And I stayed at the hospital in the Red Cross rooms by myself, so I'd be up with him in this room in the ICU, mm. and I'd walk down some hallways and across you know, some different buildings, and there was beds there in what they called the Red Cross rooms. And so I remember being with him to about 1 o'clock on this particular morning, around about the fourth week mark, and they came knocking on my door and woke me up in the Red Cross rooms and said, you know, Dino, you better go ring your parents. Your brother's not going to make it today. So through the day so I obviously got on the phone to my dad in New Zealand and you know get on the first flight over and I uh, ran my parents from the Gold Coast about an hour's drive away and I walked back up to my brother so what do you do as a 15 year old when um, you're told your brother's not going to make it through the day and mm. you're there by yourself yeah <laughs> yeah um, quite a hefty thing to do because I was going to ask you Dean what was going on for you at that point how was God carrying you through that situation right at that particular point in time yeah, um, well, I got back to the, the bed with him, and um, and I'm like, man, what do I do? And I literally kind of had that, like, what now? What next? Yeah. And the coolest thing was um, I had my Bible with me, and I was no Bible scholar, um, and we, you know, we were church-going Christians, but we weren't, you know, we weren't, you know what I'm saying? We weren't mm, as yeah. clued up as what I am today, I guess. So I did that, did that, the, I don't know if you've ever done that, 
it hardly ever works. But you know when you kind of flip open your Bible and you kind of close your eyes and kind of oh yeah, put your a, finger on done a bit of that. God, talk to me, talk to me. <laughs> what do you want? What do you want? And um, and I did that. Now I've done that before, guys. And and you know you, you get you know so and so murdered, so and so. Oh God, what you can't be talking to me, you know. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> listen to this, man. These these are the first. Two scriptures. The very first one, my finger down, Romans 21, verse 4. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and they shall there shall be no more death, no sorrow, no crying. Mm. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Wow. That was the scripture that I put yeah. my finger on. Now, as I said to you, to internal listening, you know, you're probably going to try that, and it's not necessarily going to work. Yeah. It's, it's, I've tried it a hundred times before, a hundred times after, but it was in that mm. moment I was helpless I was hopeless. I didn't really know yep. what to do or how I was handling it. I was numb. Yeah. But the reality is God was there. Mm. God was there when we through you know, before the accident. We had that mm. weekend with him. Mm. And we could have that father you know, mother yep. son time they could have on the Monday and we pray and we talked about death, what would happen if one happens to us and mm. oh my goodness, I've left the biggest thing out. I've got to say, I've got to go back. That Monday night that he drove into the sunset, he arrived back at the uh, home of these Christian family, and they were watching a preaching video. Oh wow! This is the this is sorry, I can't believe I forgot this. He gets there; it's halfway through the preaching video. By the end of the preaching video, he broke down and cried, and gave his heart back to Jesus. Oh, wow. wow! Sorry, oh sorry, sorry, I missed it out. That's, that's incredible. That's the Monday that's, night. Wow! Yeah. Right. Tuesday went to tech. Wednesday they went on this day sailing. By Wednesday night they're. He's in a coma. Wow. Mm. Oh, We're wow. now praying with him. That timing. And then heartbeats. Yeah. I get the message, go back to my brother, first scripture, no Romans 21, 4. Mm. Here's the next, I did it twice. It says, uh, John twelve twenty four. truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears forth much fruit. I didn't necessarily fully get that. I guess it, it had a meaning because of the whole thing of something dying and something bearing fruit and coming alive. It gave me comfort at the time, but I soon realized afterwards that while something significant had happened in my life, my, my brother obviously dying, that that would be a seed for much more great fruit to come forth in the future, and I guess that drove me forward. Maybe we can touch on that a bit later. But So here I was in the... In the, in the uh, Hospital got those scriptures. Parents came, and literally by that afternoon, we were standing by him. And um, as he, um, basically, what had happened is they keep thinning out the blood, thinning out the blood. It starts to th- keep thickening, and so they got to keep thinning. It gets to the point where they can't mm. thin it out anymore. And so um, they basically, you know, just, you know, he, he just they can't hold him anymore. They really the machines are holding him alive. So turn the machines off and we're there as he takes his last breath. And I can honestly remember and, and I'll do this for effect, but I can literally standing beside him and that happening. Wow. Wow. Just um for those listening it was like someone a wave of wind just mm. went up past us and I knew that his spirit had risen. Wow. You know, and so much you're in this amazing, this this huge level of grief and heartache. Yeah. There's a sense of no, no. The Bible is real. Yeah. You know, this is just it's just a, an earth bag. Mm. Yeah. This is just our earth suit. Yeah. And it's our spirit is now alive, but now it's 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 still alive and it's risen. Mm. You know. Yeah. Um. So that was that, and then you know through the course of um, you you know then go 
creating, you know, obviously setting up and planning his funeral. Um, and just to pretty much just wrap that up a little bit at his funeral, we um, we gave an altar call, and half a dozen of his mates gave their heart to the Lord. Oh, that's awesome! Wow. Yeah, yeah. So you know, just I guess it's come back to what we were talking about at the beginning is. And I, I guess to go on about the the the, the seed that fell to the ground and died, and, and I guess uh, I I from a young age of fifteen realised that one decision can cost you your life. Right? Mm-hmm. He made a dumb decision. He got into a car with a drunk driver. But we all make silly decisions. Mm-hmm. And I guess that gave me a message, a very clear message. I grew up very quickly at fifteen. I suddenly had this maturity upon me that maybe most fifteen year olds didn't have. Um, and so I started to get really involved with my, I actually moved back to New Zealand to be with my dad because my dad wasn't a Christian and I really felt I wanted to be there for him. Um, started going along to, um, City Impact up in Auckland up there. And, but, you know, more importantly, I just got involved with serving young people, um, at school, I got I started running the Students Against Driving Drunk, um, you know, group yeah, at right. school, yeah. the Christian group at school, and then the youth leader at church, and just really started to share that message of, of you know, every decision counts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, out of that, we uh, we saw hundreds and hundreds of young people come to Jesus and mm-hmm. and some great and mighty things happen. But as much as what, in our earthly perspective, you know, losing a loved one is so hard and hurtful that we don't have in the natural, mm. uh, really he's just moved from one dimension to another mm. yep. and he's still in the arms, you know, he's with God and, mm. and praise God because, you know, all those, you know, him recommitting his life to the Lord and all those yeah. things, know exactly where he is that, you know, the fruit of that now is that we could then, you know, make an eternal difference for him mm. here on earth. And so, um, yeah, I guess that whole story kind of just wraps up the fact of where we started is that, you know, Sometimes we 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 get ourselves into awkward situations or or tricky situations, crazy situations, uncontrollable situations. You know, just like my brother. Mm. Mm. You know, even even in his frailty of making those that decision and, and getting to that car, yep. God knew beforehand. Yeah. God knew day. God knew that that month or two before where he jumped off his bike and laid hands on yeah. that guy and the Holy Spirit came alive with him. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. You know? yeah. It's like he prepared him for yeah. for the moment. Like yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Mm. And that was the that was the key is, is realizing that you know, nothing's a shock to God. Mm. You don't catch mm. God by surprise. Yeah. If even in our frail human frailty, mm. you know, mm. God is sufficient and he's there. And I guess we can't control the outcomes as in you know, at the end of the day, he did jump, jump to a car, the drunk driver, mm. but God was there and God mm. made up the difference and God carried him through. God carried mm. us through mm. um, to a point where undeniably, mm. I know, you know, for me as a young 15-year-old, God is so real. Yeah. yeah. Don't ever try and tell me that God's yeah. not real, like yeah. far out. And then to, I guess from a young age, have that sense of, you know, life is short. Yeah, don't muck around. Mm. Make the most of every day. Mm. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I love the fact that you your faith was still so strong, even when he, you know, essentially wasn't healed. Because um, a lot of people put a lot of faith in, in in a moment to see a healing happen, and there's, uh, I believe, healing always does happen when you call upon the name of the Lord. Amen. And one thing 
we as a, us humans we're trying to understand the method behind God's healing and it's not always the same method that then we think that it should look like we're like well he should be alive he should be um you know just alive and breathing and i tell you right now he is yep he is alive and breathing so just because it doesn't look like the way we thought the healing was doesn't mean that the healing didn't happen there's a great saying that uh, mike tonks has said a number of times sometimes god takes the sickness from the person and other times he takes the person from the sickness wow and and both in both aspects they're healed yep so um i think that's so powerful that your faith stayed in fact probably grew oh yeah from that mm. moment mm. like there's there's no losing in that mm. um you'll see your brother again yeah and it's yeah it's just having that god focus mindset mm. and that faith that that's mm. built from that and the mm. amount of people that have been saved yeah. from it from a seed dying yeah mm. um mm. Just incredible. Yeah, his yeah. Le- it's almost like his legacy lives on through you because what out of that tragedy has come new life for others, yeah. and and goodness knows how many others, you know, lives you potentially saved through going through the you know drunk driving courses, yeah, yeah, and and just telling young people, hey, look, you know, make good decisions. Don't 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 do that sort of stuff because yeah. that mm. you know you only get one shot at it. That's right. Yeah. 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 And a hundred percent, like your faith being as strong as it is now. Um, for those listening, uh, Julie, who was on the podcast uh, a while ago, she's my mother. She went through a near-death experience uh, maybe two years ago. Mm. And uh, Dean here was uh, every day, I believe. Yeah, you sent a video prayer to her, and we all watched it. And it edified us and, and, and everything. And I believe that mum made it through that. Mm. Potentially, like our faith grew so much through your prayers. Mm. Those prayers wouldn't have happened unless that had what you just shared with That's us right. had happened with your brother passing away. Like the amount that of faith that you carry abundantly overflows onto other believers mm. and edifies other believers. So like yeah, it's just incredible. Mm. So I like I almost think like I know your your brother passed away, but that caused at least in my life probably my mother being mm. healed. Mm. I, I think yeah. Um, so like I just yeah, thank you. No, that's cool. <laughs> you know, and it's so true, right? You know, you go through the fire, but God refines you. You know, and God yeah. it helps you discover. Yeah, I was actually out praying the other day, and I said, you know, God, you know. Let the fire with, you know, almost like um, like a, what do you call it? like What's a fire and like a, um, what's a pottery, like a... A kiln and the um, furnace. And the furnace, yeah. sorry. You know, God, let my, my life, my heart, you know, that furnace, was that beautiful song, hey, it says, you know, God, my heart is a wick and your love is the flame. I mm. want to burn for you, mm-hmm. right? And I'm just praying this out and out walking and saying, God, and I started to think, no, I want to be like that furnace mm. because I realized that in that furnace, you know, it, it burns the dross, it burns away the impurities, yeah. and it refines that's, that which is within. Mm. Mm. And we go through these times, and in the time, sometimes it's really hard. And, and of course, you know, I can years later now tell that story and it's all positive, but of course it was hard. And of mm. course there were moments of, of tears and, and, and confusion and all those mm. things. You know, but I guess what the beautiful thing about growing up in life and getting a few years under your belt is you start to experience and go, man, 
God, you were with me back then when I went through that. Oh, yeah. you were with me again a few years later when we mm. went through something different. Oh, you're with me again a few years after that. You know, the reality is God is with you all the time. And as you're going through the fiery furnace, you know, impurities are dropping off and mm. the solid gold has been strengthened. Yeah. And, you know, in a time of trouble, you know, I I am thankful and I'm, I'm humbled, guys, because even as a 15-year-old, I saw other young people go through stuff that was probably not even half as full on as that, and they were giving up on God. Mm. My mates around me are blaming God for stuff. Mm. And we can get into those debates of, well, why would this happen and why would that happen? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know, guys. I, Dino here doesn't have the answers. All I know is God is a loving dad. And I had a choice when I went through that situation with my brother. Mm. Do I blame God? Mm. Or do I run to God for refuge? Mm. Yeah. And I don't know how. To this day, there was no one mentoring me. I had no youth leader. I had no pastor in my life at that point. Saying, okay, son, da da da, you know, walk down this way, da da da, God will be with you. No, it was just God's love and God's hand upon my life that drew me in. He took me under his wing as a loving dad does and just hugged me through that whole time, protected me through. I could have easily fallen into a place of bitterness and yeah. blame. And no one would blame you as well. Yeah. Like you had an excuse. Mm. Yeah. And you're still pressed in and. and yeah, just didn't condemn God for not healing him or healing him. You know, it was just like, yeah, it just edified everything. But that being the example for other people, I you don't know what I'm going through. And you're now able to say, I do. Yeah. And God's still yeah. great. And God still loves you. And he's still a loving father. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Just to come back to your point um, about God saving you, either, you know, sorry, healing you or how did you say that again? Uh, sometimes God takes the sickness from the person, and sometimes he takes the person from the sickness. Yeah. And, um, you know, absolutely to this day love my brother and can't wait to reconnect and reunite with him. The Probably the hardest hurt and grief yeah. from a human perspective is I, I grew up, um, and today I still have my uncle Ron in my life, and he's my uncle, and I just love him dearly. So I go away camping with him and his, his kids every summer, and, mm. and I thought to my, my biggest hurt that it's, even hard to deal with, even when I think about it now, is my, my kids don't have their Uncle Charlie, you know? And oh, I just yeah. wanted to kind of reproduce that memory in my kids, you know, for my kids. But um, talking about the whole thing of maybe sometimes God removing you away from a situation is, you know, as much as what I love my brother, he had his struggles. He had his struggles and, you know, at times delving into, you know, diff- you know drugs and, and different baits and things that were caught up in different things. Mm. And, and, I don't know where that could have led him. I don't know mm. what that could have taken him down. And maybe, you know, mm. I don't. All I got to do is I just got to trust God and go. God, maybe you chose not to heal him, but actually remove him from this earth because yeah. there was there was definitely. I can't deny that. I've got to be honest. There was potential he could have gone down a route of a life that could have caused him and a lot of people a lot of pain and maybe God's mm. grace and yeah. fatherly love says hey son yeah. you know what I'm going to rescue you from that yeah. <laughs> come yeah. come with me now yeah. you know yeah. and um, and that's you know that's again if you just come back to the fact this comprehension that God's a loving dad mm. then sometimes it mm. just helps you work through stuff you'll mm. never work it out you can't necessarily give all the answers but yeah. just come back to God's a loving dad he adopted you mm. you know um Oh man, another cool scripture about you know calling God Abba, 
father, which yeah. is basically calling him daddy. Yeah. So I read it out? Yes. Romans uh, 8.15 says, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, mm. Daddy. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are his children. Mm. Isn't that cool? Mm. That's really you know, cool. Yeah. Not only that we get saved, but actually our spirit, that feeling, that knowing that we are his sons, we're his daughters. Mm. Yeah. Um, the uh, Abba, uh, the translation for that, yeah, it is Daddy, but uh, it also goes to Dada. Wow. Like oh, as, really? a, as an yeah. infant's crying wow, for awesome. their father or mother, and it's it's the a dependency um, of Daddy. Of data, yes, not just dad. It's the it's a dependency on how they're saying it. Wow, yeah. So it's it goes to the next level for it's, sure. Mm. Really cool. Everything about God is a there's a next level, right? There's a next <laughs> level. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. why we should never get complacent. Never get to the yeah. point where, you know, we don't want to log on and listen to podcasts <laughs> like this because there's so much to learn from each other and our yeah. stories and and uh, yeah. Mm. Oh, that is absolutely incredible! Mm. What what an amazing testimony! I mean, tragedy has prevailed and caused so much abundant love and grace in your life. Yeah. Um, that one scripture in Romans about the seed dying is really a reflection of this whole testimony for yeah. sure. Mm. It was John twelve twenty four in case oh, you want to re- refer back to it. John, my bad. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> we'll put people right there. Yeah, yeah. But no, so cool. Yeah, wow. God is so cool. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, this is the beautiful thing is we we just want to get to the point where we humble ourselves before mm. the Almighty God and know we're not always going to get it right. Mm. Mm. You know, just like my brother makes mistakes, I've made plenty of yeah. mistakes. Yeah. For some reason, I'm still alive yeah. <laughs> by His grace. But yeah. He loves us regardless, and He'll lead us and guide us mm. right throughout our whole journey. Yeah. 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 Amen. Well, thank you, Dean, for coming on and, and sharing mm. that incredible testimony. That has really, really spoken to me. How about you, George? Yeah, it's just powerful, Dean. So so many things in that. Um, and I know it's going to touch a lot of lives mm. as well. Yeah. Amazing, yeah. guys. Awesome. So if you enjoyed this podcast, stick with us for the next one um, and reach out to us. Um, it would be really cool to hear your thoughts on this testimony. And remember, if you're struggling, if you think that life's got you down um, that God's got this essentially he's got it under control and just stick with them we'll see you on the next episode of the Jesus Magnet